becoming a letter of Christ. That's the food we're going to look at today and over the coming weeks. Becoming a letter. If you want to grab out your envelope that you got and we'll open it together. So grab your envelope and open it up. In the top left-hand corner, what does it say? To my follower. To my follower, to my followers. What God was talking to me about was, I want my people to write their own letter, but as if I was writing it to them. So if Jesus was going to write and send you a letter, what would he say about you and your relationship with him and where things are at for you? And I want to encourage you to take this away and write from his perspective. If he was sending you a personalized letter and said to my follower, this is what I see. Now, I want to give you a couple of things that you're going to start with, which are really critical because you need to start writing from his perspective, not yours. It's incredibly important we actually start not from our feelings, not what we think, but what he says. So the first thing, if you have a pen in your hand, can you write this on your letter? I... This is if you are in Christ, okay? If you're not in Christ, then this is not yet your reality, but it can be today, right now, by the acknowledgement of him as your righteousness. But if you are in Christ, just write this. I have been made righteous in Christ. I have have been, maybe make that bold and capital and circle that, I have been made righteous or right in Christ. Meaning Jesus Christ is our righteousness. He gives us the robe of righteousness to say you are perfectly right in and with me. That's your starting point. That would be the first thing that we would launch from. I am loved and I am already right. My behavior may not look right. That doesn't matter. I am right. Yes? The second thing is I have been chosen. I have been. I'm not, I am, I have been chosen before the foundations of the earth. So I have been chosen before the foundations of the earth to be a child of the living God. I have been chosen before the foundations of the earth to be a child of the living God. 
as you write those things, read it to yourself. Read it out loud if you need to hear that today. Okay, everyone sort of got there. So then throughout the week and throughout the coming weeks, I'd ask you to fill that in. Unashamedly, without any guilt, without any condemnation, and just allow the Spirit and allow your true reality and just write it down. And What I want to look at this morning is a couple of things as we go forward and we're going to start in Revelation 3, and we're going to look that at a couple of churches that Jesus personally wrote to. He wrote to seven churches, but we're just going to look at two. And he said to John, he said, write in a book what I'm about to tell you and send it to the seven churches. So this is what we're doing. He wants us, he wants to send us a personalized letter. And when we read what we're about to read, we're going to see some good things. We're going to see some things that the church is doing well. And we're going to see areas of growth. Jesus loves us so much that he will tell you the things that he sees for the purpose of our transformation. Do we want to be all we can be in him? So we have to ask these types of questions. Do we realize that we are loved, set apart, the righteousness of God, but we are not yet all perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, mature? But do we want to be? God's heart, Jesus' heart, as he died and rose again, that we would be the fullness of of him that we would glorify him and through that bring glory to his name that the earth would be full with the glory of God how is that going to happen as you and I mature and have the glory of God which is in us formed in us to a full measure but it's in us but it needs to be formed in us and then released through us it's called Christ in me and you the hope of glory and that will happen the more we're in Christ. So it's a two-way relationship. It's not just Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's me in Christ. It's not just in Christ. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. That is actually one position where the two parts become one. So God, because he loves us, has to tell us the truth. And there's no condemnation for anyone in Christ. And we I love what Steph, me and Steph and Cena were just having a coffee last night after the dinner. And she said this, and I thought, I've got to grab that for today. She said, we are not to, uh, we're not to confuse discipline with punishment. Okay? Don't confuse the discipline of the Lord, which comes from love, with punishment. God is not the God who punishes you. There will be punishment for those that are not in Christ when they stand before him. Because they have not bowed the knee and asked to be cleansed by the perfect one. There is no punishment for those in Christ. But there is discipline. And the Father loves those who disciplines to get his children to the place that he desires them to get to. 
You need to hear this this morning because you can take this and go spiraling down to a dark place. The truth has to be spoken and you have to see yourself as God sees yourself. So then as he shows you and as he shines into the areas that need to grow in, you can grow in those areas. If you don't know you need to grow in areas, you're not going to grow in those areas because you can't see. We all have blind spots and God is the one with full sight. So this is what this is about for the churches. It's not to beat them up. It's to say, hey, I'm coming back. And I, when I come back, I want to find faith and I want to see my church radiate upon the earth. Is that cool? So that's the premise that we're about to hear what is shared. Hear life. Okay? Don't hear, I'm not good enough because I just told you, God tells you, you're the righteousness of God. It's not about good, bad. It's a being made right by Jesus. And our behavior doesn't determine how right I am. I can be a little scumbag and I'm still right. That's what grace and love and mercy is. That's why we can't figure it out because that's not us, is it? But it can be us when we receive that from him. How does that work? How can I be a bad little Johnny on a Friday and still be loved? Because I'm God, you're not, and my love is determined by me. Not, your, not outcomes, not what you do, but me. That's why you all need me. <laughs> okay, all right, Revelation 3, 1. This is the message to Sardis. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write this. He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this. So Jesus is speaking. And this is how the word must always be communicated by the Spirit. So the Spirit must always be the one communicating the word, which is Spirit. So the hearers must be able to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. If the hearers can hear what the Spirit is saying, receive the spiritual word, accept it, believe it, Into them, it has the power to perform the work of the Spirit, which is transformation. So the greater the transformation, the greater the glory in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So his hope of getting his glory into the earth is me receiving the full knowledge of Christ within me. And as that happens, the natural manifestation of that is glory into the earth. Okay. So he's writing this. Jesus is always writing, speaking, declaring. He says, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Let me read that again. I know your deeds. I know what you're doing. I know that everything that you're doing in my name. I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Set the alarm. When the alarm goes off, boom, wake up. Don't stand there and hit snooze. Don't turn the alarm off. Wake up. Just because the church runs around doing all sorts of deeds, all sorts of good works, all sorts of good intentions, does not necessarily mean 
those works are of him and that you are spiritually alive. You can do all these works and be spiritually asleep and not able to hear the real word that's being communicated that will change you as you receive, accept, and believe it because you've tuned in. Works are not the evidence of maturity. Signs and wonders are not the evidence that you are a mature Christian. Anyone can do signs and wonders because they have a gifting and a calling. And when the anointing and the power of God comes upon a person, because it's God that does it, not the person. So anyone can do signs and wonders and be very immature and be asleep spiritually. Do you hear that? That is not the evidence that you are a mature Christian, but it's the evidence that we say you are, but it's not. That's why you can hear, Lord, Lord, I prophesied, I cast out demons, I raised dead people. He says, who are you? So he is trying to say, to, well, no, he is saying to the church of Sardis, I'm seeing a reality. And it's not the way you think it is. You would probably have a perception that you're on fire and you're alive because of all the deeds you're running around doing, feeding the poor, doing this, going to Cambodia. None of those things are what you would put a tick next to that you are alive in spirit. Now, out of being alive, those things will flow. That's what Russell was saying. So there are things to be done. There are works to be done. Jesus was highly relational and highly functional. But everything he did, every good work, came from relationship, being tuned in here in the frequency of the Holy Spirit, operating through the power of God, not his own strength, not his own wisdom. Everything was done from heaven. Well, if he's our example, then we need to follow the example. And God is telling this church, you need to wake up because that means nothing from what I'm seeing. You have a name that you're alive. Why? Because you preach, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. But Church of Sardis, let me tell you what I see. Let me tell you my letter. There's a way that seems right to me all the time, but it's not producing spiritual life that I'm going the wrong way, and it will end in spiritual death. Is that clear? This is so important. We capture this. Out of the seven churches, two had nothing to work on, but five did. One church here I know your works, but you've left someone. You've actually left the relationship that we had because you left love, me. And you're off doing all this thing trying to save a planet, but hey, come back, wake up, wake up. You're getting further and further and further and further away, still using my name, my gifting and my calling I put on you, and I'm telling you, you've left me. What was that? What was that voice? I thought someone said, I left, we left him. No, no, no. Can't they see, can't he see what we're doing for him? Well, if it is, I hope it is of him, from him, empowered by him, led and inspired by him. And so he says this to these guys wake up and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die. For I've not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. You'd want to take note, wouldn't you? 
if it was God writing you a personalized letter because he's trying to help you. He's trying to help and lift you up. He's not trying to beat you up. He's not trying to make you feel bad. He's trying to say, guys, this is what I see. If you continue on, here's the outcome. I love you so much because here's the outcome I died and was raised from the ground to bring you into, but you're going to get that outcome. I need to be true to myself at the judgment seat. I can't throw you a grace card at the judgment seat. So I'm warning you now, 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 now. Can you hear? Can you hear? Can you hear? Can you hear? Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. You're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. Did someone say something? What time's lunch? What time's the football on? See, the Israelites didn't enter into God's rest. Why? Because they didn't hear The word that was proclaimed. And the Bible says, church, don't make the same mistake. Don't make the mistake that your brothers and sisters made. Don't make the same mistake. Hear the word because today is the day of salvation. If you hear the word, do not harden your heart. A hard heart can't hear anything. It gets offended at best when it hears a word of life saying, guys, you are doing deeds. I know you think you're awake, but you are asleep to the true spiritual realm that is because there is a life in me that I'm calling you into. But it comes through the ability to hear it In the spirit which I have given you, blessed are you for your eyes see and your ears hear because you have been given the spirit to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. Granted to know the mysteries of God's kingdom. Why? Because you are righteous in me, chosen, set apart for a royal priesthood to minister the new covenant of God, which is the glory of God into the earth through you. Now, can you hear that and go, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Today's the day I put down maybe things and I run after that reality because it may not be your reality today, but that's okay. But he's saying, do you want it to be? And this is what he's saying to these guys here. He is returning. Time is speeding. And so it's never about when, but why. He says, come on. He says, listen, so remember that you have received and heard and keep and repent. So remember what you have received and heard. Remember what you have what? Received and heard and keep it and repent means turn. There's a turning that's required, a turning from one life into more of him. A letting go of things that we value, that we've put priorities ahead of him and putting them down. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness before you seek food, shelter, clothing. I know the Gentiles need them. I know you need them, but don't seek them first. Don't seek money and the ability to provide for yourself is what he's saying. Seek me and my ability to provide for you. I'm to be the source of your very life. Not just your resource in times of trouble, the source of your life. 
Christ in us is the hope of glory. Christ in me is the source of my life, my resurrected life. Not a modified life, whipped up. A brand new life in Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of unto salvation. For Christ to save a man or a woman who was spiritually dead and made brand new alive in Christ. Come tonight, I'm going to preach this. If I don't take off and disappear somewhere else, because we're going to look at the breastplate of righteousness, which is part of the armor, which we've been looking at, which comes through the gospel. What is the gospel? Come out tonight and find out. Whoo, okay. Listen, he says, therefore, if you do not wake up. So in a love, he's warning us. It's love, 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 love. Do you not love your kids? Out of love, you give them wisdom, but you don't manipulate and control them. Is that right? You hope that they will hear and heed the words written in this book. Isn't that what it says? Do not close the words of these, this book. Anyone who adds to it, not good. You need to hear and heed what is written, for it is for you, my church. I don't understand the book of Revelation. It's all about scary things. No, it's not. It's all about the promises for the overcomers. And it's all about the bride of Christ. And sure, there's some things that are going to kick off. But if I'm overcoming and I'm becoming the bride, that's nothing, man. Momentary light affliction. Why? Because the eternal glory that's in this fella is conquering what's coming at me. It's not about that stuff. It's about the revelation of Jesus Christ. I got told never to preach from this book because it doesn't build the church. But the book itself says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. Do we see what is written in it? Not see, see. Heart and with Ears of the Spirit, I pray the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in the knowledge of God. Number one, and the surpassing greatness of the inheritance of the saints. Number two, my goodness. And it's all here in print. He says this, Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. Don't be like in the days of Noah when they were sleeping, partying, getting married, having a good time and completely unaware of the times they were in. Because I will come and I will be like a thief and you'll have no idea why because you were just going along with life and the culture of the world. But I warned you, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. You think you've got it all together. I see your deeds, but they are all coming from your flesh. Once again, this is the letter to Sardis. Then you get this incredible promise. Are you ready? But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Hold on a minute. I thought I was worthy through righteousness. You are. So what worthy is he talking about here? 
because the righteousness of God makes me worthy. But this is telling me that there are some who haven't soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. What Jesus said, if you love someone else, your own life or your possessions more than me, you're not worthy of me. And you cannot be my disciple. I still love you, but you're not worthy of something. And it's related to garments, which is related to what? A marriage covenant, which is what the entire context of the book is about. The entire context of Christ and the church is a marriage covenant between Christ and his church. So are we living lives worthy of Christ? You see, you're running around doing all this good activity for me, but you don't love me with all your heart. You love yourself. You love your children. You love your lives. You love your businesses. You love your money. I love you. That's never in doubt. But I'm writing you a letter to tell you that some have not soiled their garments, muddied the waters, thinking you love me. But really, when we look at your life and I send you a letter, I'm telling you what I see. Man, I'd want to take notice of that if God wrote me a personal letter and he was saying, this is what I see. I wouldn't even go and try and justify it. Would you? The one of truth is giving you the truth because he loves us. He's saying, Sardis, this is what I see. I see this, but I see these people. So if you're not, if you're, a, if you're asleep, wake up and become like one of these that haven't sawed their garments, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white Garments, And I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's powerful, isn't it? It's confronting, isn't it? It needs to be to wake us up if we're asleep. If you want to wake someone up, and there's a fire in your house, you don't just go, wake up. You would hope the fire alarm's going, beep, 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 beep. But you wouldn't go, hey, Kristen, wake up, there's a fire. <laughs> On the news last night, I saw a man who was passing by a house in Takanini in South Auckland, where two people were well asleep. Apparently he busted and got one person out. The fire was at the other end of the house. They didn't even know, and the fire guy said they would be dead if this guy never busted and got one out. By the time they got there, the fire guys then got the other one out. That person who busted in, breaking a window, didn't go, knock, knock, knock. Hey, there's a fire. You need to get up, otherwise you're going to be toast. No. And so often, see, when God starts to speak like this, We think, oh, he's going to punish me. He's going to punish me. And we start to shrink back. You see that in the entirety of the scriptures. When God came to Adam after he'd fallen, Adam's hiding. God hasn't changed. He's the same God that loved him. He's walking. It's Adam that's changed. And because he's fallen, he now has a different perspective to the one he had before. So now he's going the opposite way to the way God. But God's coming. See, God is coming. 
He's going, knock, knock, God, I've got to let you know this church of Sardis. There is a reality. It's called for the overcomers. It's more than just living here and being justified by my blood that gets you in, but it's more than. It's a more than life. I've called you to reign with me. I've called you to reign with me now and the future, coming into this all overcoming life in me, with me, through me. I want my glory. You're called to be ministers of the new covenant, which is the glory of God. Because the old glory, which was on tablets of stone, was fading. But the new glory, which comes on the tablets of the human hearts, is forever. This is the covenant we're under, not the old, but the new. But it's all one in Christ, because Christ came to fulfill the law, not do away with it. See, now it's the new covenant. What is of glory? Don't you love him? So guys, it's like he's saying, for they are worthy. They allowed my truth and my spirit. Because true worship is worship in spirit and truth. To go to work on the inside. They allowed me, the word of God, to perfect them to the work I started. That they would then be given Garments, linen garments, righteous acts of the saints as the bridal garments of the bride. Not just the garment of righteousness that gets you in. But there's a working, there's a growing up. So I make you right, then it's about living lives of righteousness. Does that make sense? So it's about right alignment. It's what Russell said before. I'm walking in right alignment. So I'm righteous, and the righteous live by faith. So the life they live is a life of righteousness. I do nothing outside of my father's alignment. I don't do anything from my own initiative. If I do something the father says, it's done from the power of the spirit, led by the spirit, and I just happen to be the guy that it's working through. But I'm not doing it, but I'm following the commandment of heaven. I don't do anything out of good intention. I do everything because I'm sent to the need, because what God sends, he empowers. If I turn up because I just see it, there's no resource He only backs what he calls for and sends you to. And so we need to be completely in that relationship, which means what is at the centerpiece of my heart? What have I got there as other lovers that are taking my time? Well, that needs to come out so I can spend the time to have you in so then I can hear your word and be transformed. So the glory of God, Christ in me, can come forth through me and the world will see God's glory fill the earth. It's very intentional, specific, and by design. It's not willy-nilly, give it a go, she'll all be right. That's the Kiwi culture. It's not the kingdom culture. It's not tomorrow or the next day. Today is the day of salvation. But our brothers and sisters of the spirit and of the flesh didn't hear the word, so they never entered into the rest of God. It says, those who enter my rest cease from their works. You cease trying to perform this work. You can't stop it. But you can surrender and submit and in weakness of flesh come before God and go, here I am. He goes, great, man, because I've been wanting to write my letter. 
I've been waiting so long for you to get to the end of you so I can write my letter on your heart with my spirit. You've been trying to write your letter with ink, which is the natural. It's the flesh. I don't operate with a pen. I operate with my spirit. And it's written where? On human hearts, no longer tablets of stone. It was on a stone and that had glory. But it's the old glory and it was fading. So Moses put a bag on his head. Why? So the Israelites wouldn't see the glory fading. Not because he was scary, because it was fading. It was written on stone, etched in stone, ink. Go with me. Can you understand what I'm saying? It wasn't ink that was just carved out. So the new glory, ministers of a new covenant, is what? It's not on ink. It's not covered. It's on heart through the power of the word, the spirit. And that glory never fades. You've gone from an old glory to a brand new glory. This is good news, man. It's 33 minutes, 26 seconds. I've got two minutes. Because I'm trying not to give us too much. Go a bit longer. I've got two minutes, Tim, plus the seven minutes that I earned last night because I only spoke for like eight minutes. Come on. What I'm going to do, I'm going to read the letter for Philadelphia and then you've got to come back for more. Okay. Because I haven't even got to 2 Corinthians. This is, this is the intro. Okay. So here's the message to Philadelphia. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write this. He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this. So once again, here's Jesus now speaking to the church at Philadelphia. I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those who the synagogue, who cause those of the synagogue of Satan, who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. I will make them come and bow down at your feet. I will make them. You don't make them. I will make them. I build my church. I do all the work through your surrender. And make them know that I have loved you. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming quickly. Been 2,000 years. But God's outside of time. And that lulls us into a false sense of security, doesn't it? Oh, 2,000 years. He's not coming for another 2,000 years. How do you know? The Father knows when He's back. He's telling me He's coming quickly. He's outside of time. I better wake up because He's coming quickly. Even though the reality here in this earth is 2,000 years, it's like two days. If that becomes the new paradigm now, all of a sudden there's an urgency that starts to stir in my spirit. Why? Not because I want to be a good Christian, 
because there is a life on offer for me in my Father that says it's an overcoming life. It overcomes what? The lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes. And by the way, this guy that we all give too much credit to called Satan. And so if I'm in Christ, growing in Christ, maturing in Christ, because I'm hearing the word, guess what happens? I overcome all those obstacles. Remember Johnny's message? Obstacles. I overcome all the obstacles because I'm in Christ. Wow. I allow God to deal with the lust in my own heart. So the enemy has nothing to play with. Because that's all he's got, the lusts in my own heart that he calls out. Because he sees them. God sees them. So he pokes them. He pokes our pride. The lust of our eyes, which is not just sexual. It's everything tied with self. He pokes it. Let's mess these guys up. Let's get these guys fighting one another. Keeping them away from what they are called for. A life worthy that they have been called and chosen for, that my son died, rose again for them to experience. But they're so caught up with everything but me. And it's love. So he writes us a letter. He says, guys, come on. And the Philadelphians are going really well. I am coming quickly, hold fast what you have, so that no one will take your crown. Paul talks about in other scriptures receiving the crown of life. He says this, I am getting it. He hasn't got it, but he tells you I'm getting it. The man was so confident, so assured of the life he lived in Christ. He knew he was doing the will of God. He knew he was changing. He knew, hence he wrote half the book. And he said, I'm getting my crown. And he says this, and to anyone else who will follow in my steps, they will receive the crown too. Well, who is everyone else? The church. When was the last time you spent time marinating in him? Not in a book, in him. Greg, you don't understand. I'm a parent. So am I. So are many other people. So are the people that live these lives. That's an excuse. Reorder your life. I'm busy with work. It's an excuse. I just bought a farm. It's an excuse. I just, I just, I just. They're all excuses that we justify away from finding the time. He's like, I gave you my life. I could have gone and had a party with the angels, but I gave you my life. And you're giving me excuses. Man, you're lucky I love. You're lucky my love isn't determined by your behavior. You give me excuses. I give you my life. God says, I give you my one and only son, and you give me excuses. And I still love. I am God. You're so fortunate I am God. Even before any of you chose me, I loved you and I came. You're all evil, but I still love you. 
in the hope that you will partake of me and receive my divine nature so you can love like me now. And the glory that's in me can be in you and can radiate through the world. I have chosen you to be ambassadors of my kingdom. I have chosen and set you apart to be holy priesthood, royal unto nothing, to me and me alone. Do you know who you are called to be, who you are? Do not live mere little lives like humans. You are not mere men. You are ambassadors, sons of royalty. Prince Harry and I never know her name, Megan. Megan. They're walking around as ambassadors from the kingdom of England, aren't they? Look how the people treat them. It was lovely. Did you see that girl with the red hair? She was so in love. And he came over and he gave her a hug. Prince Harry hugged me. Oh, it's amazing. He must have think, Jesus gave you a hug. But she was so taken back. They are administering the kingdom of England. And people come out and flock and wait. Guys, we are God's ambassadors. And we have to have glory in us and love. People should look at us and go, you're a letter of Christ. Because I see it written on your heart. Not with law, not with rules, not trying to keep guidelines, with a person. Called to overcome. And then he says this. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Sharon, there's a revelation to go after. And an inheritance. I will make you a pillar in my temple of God. And he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. What a promise. You can know that today because today is the day. It's not now in the sense of you're going to be that physically, but you can receive the promise because it's yes and amen, the power of the promise now. So it's like it's now. Does that make sense? So you're living in the power, the reality of that one promise that radically shifts, empowers you to let go of you, grab hold of him and let's go. That's the intro. (laughs) But I'm finishing right there. See, 42 minutes. So 35 plus the seven from last night. (laughs) I'm going. Can can I pray? Actually, someone else can pray. Who wants to come pray? Chris. Um, yeah, just just while um, Greg was speaking, you know, I have this, this scripture in my heart where Paul says, pray for me that a door would be opened for me to speak the mystery of Christ and that I would make the word manifest as I ought to. And, you know, just really I'm so thankful that that this mystery is being declared so clearly and articulated so well that we can hear it. I mean, can you hear the heart of God in this that is being declared so clearly to us, this mystery of Christ in us, which is being made manifest before us. And, you know, this morning, just as I was 
uh, we were in this in this prayer this morning. I I smelt this fragrance, Greg, just while you were praying, and it was it was this this beautiful fragrance, and it was man, I I I recognised it, but I hardly smell it, you know, and I was like, wow, this is being made manifest to my senses right now, in a way because God is so desperate for us to receive this life that he's got for us. And it's being shouted and declared and proclaimed and and it's for us. And, you know, I just feel like the challenge for us on that is what are we going to do with it? Are we going to go back to a diet of sugary, sweet things that, that taste nice in a moment but bring nothing of lasting substance? Or are we going to continue to partake of this spiritual food which is not temporary but eternal that we who have eyes to see as God is inviting us to have it however you want to phrase it are we going to continue to partake of this that we would be found in this position of life and that this life would be found in us and Lord I just want to um, just want to thank you for making your word so real to us for declaring this mystery and making it obvious, God. And I pray that we would continue to position ourselves to receive, Father. That this table that has been spread before us is is jam-packed and teeming and abundant with your life. And God, you haven't desired that we would be found lacking or sleeping or falling short of what you have for us. And so thank you, Lord, for your living word. I pray, Lord, that we would continue to receive it. And I also just ask that as a community, we would continue to pray just what I I read before, that, I mean, the door is open for this word to be declared, but we would pray for whoever is speaking the word from the front, that this word would be made manifest to all of us, that we could continue to recognize it and make it obvious, you know, as you you drive along the motorway, there are so many signs on the side of the road. Some are adverts and some are speeding signs. And they change because we've got a smart motorway. And we need to discern the difference between an advertisement which wants something from us and a speeding sign which is adjusted accordingly as to the conditions. And we need to be able to recognize the difference don't follow every sign. Don't listen to every voice. But the, the signs that are for us are different to the adverts. There's no signs that are allowed to be put along the side of the road with red circles on them and, black, and, and a white circle inside saying, buy my stuff, because it's confusing. So there is a difference. And these ones that are adjusted have light around them. You know, and, and I just hear... Uh, David, the psalmist, he says, you have made known to me the ways of life. And I just believe that as, as God has done and as he is continuing to do, he is making known to us the ways of life. And Father, I just pray that we would recognize the signs, that we would taste and see, that we would have ears to hear, however we want to define it, Lord, bring it, bring it to our doorstep as you are doing and continue to make your word manifest to us, God. Amen.